Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. In this episode, we have a former car salesman who went from fast-talking deals to fast-ranking fantasy football players. Now, he's full-time in the industry, primarily with Rotowire and his company, Faceoff Sports Network. But if you see him online, you might recognize him as the real NFL guru. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. Great This time to stop with the DeLorean. The date is December 30th, 2012. We're here to watch Adrian Peterson tote the rock 34 times for 199 yards and a touchdown. Finishing the year with 2,097 yards. The last running back to cross that Oh, the pinnacle 2,000-yard rushing mark. All day ended up with 347 PPR points, according to Fantasy Football Reference that year, with Doug Martin, yes, Muscle Hamster Reference himself, at number two with 312 points. Well, we're also here in 2012 because if you look at this week's guest's LinkedIn profile, it's the last year he worked at a car dealership a place where he realized he might be able to pursue this whole football or fantasy football career. Not to mention he's also built like the muscle hamster. Our guest is known online as the real NFL guru. He is Anthony Servino of Rotowire and Fantasy Faceoff. And we'll get into his fantasy football origin story in a bit, but first, if you enjoy this show, I gotta ask you please tell at least one friend about it. You can tell them about fantasy football origin stories on their podcast app of choice, or you can also send them over to FantasyFootballOriginStories.com for even more information. Now, I've said it before, but i got to say it again. It's the fantasy football podcast you don't mind sharing because we're not talking rankings. We're going back in time to learn about how the people that run this industry got their start. And speaking of heading back in time, now's a good time as any to hop on that DeLorean, tap the little flux capacitor, and get that baby up to 88 miles per hour to learn more about the fantasy football origin story of Mr. Anthony Servito. My original show was actually the football history dude, so I could have had you on that one as well, but then I jumped into fantasy football. I've always wanted to do that. Like, I, you know, I wanted to be the fantasy football dude, air quotes or whatever, but then I 
you know, there's about a million of them out there. So I said, let's start a football history show. And this one is more revolving around like your backstory. I'm, I'm less interested right now about like your takes and all that stuff. I want to just kind of go back in time and go from like when you're a sleazy car salesman to now being on fantasy football and that type of thing. So before I get started, I always like to figure out, so where do your NFL loyalties lie if you even do have a team you follow? Cowboys. Oh, man. We got to check out and log out. So, okay, first I got to understand why, and then I'll follow it up from there. Why am I a Cowboys fan? Yeah, yeah. Is this like a locale thing, or is this like, hey, you know, I I was growing up in the 90s, and I watched the trio or anything like that? Well, I am 38, so I did grow up in that triplets era, but uh, my parents uh, on one side were Giants and Jets fans. I'm from New Jersey. And then my dad is actually from like close, like Western New Jersey, which is borders Philly. So he's a, he was an Eagle season ticket holder. So I kind of was in the middle and he once took me when I was young to a Eagles Cowboys game. And it's like when you were a kid and you see the star on the side of the helmet and the whole stadium hating it. And I'm like, oh, I love this. And that's kind of how it started. I see. So, yeah, because it wasn't a home thing. It was like, you, I, I'm actually rooting against for another reason. Actually, I got to throw this up there in the thing then. So, my, my Barry Sanders coaster is never too far from me. So, as a uh, Lions fan, you know, and Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders rivalries, yep. always seeing each other's teams yeah. on Thanksgiving and stuff. I actually lived in Dallas for about five years, and my grandpa disowned me, you know, when, when he thought I might become a Cowboys fan. But it, it never turned out that way. But uh, so let's get into the fantasy football portion of the show. I just, I got a first, what's what's your first memory of fantasy football? Just like playing it or even just being introduced to it? I was introduced to fantasy at a young age. Um, uh, again, more, you know, my family played in leagues um, and I didn't know what it was, but it was like my, my stepdad played with my uncle in, in this league with their friends. And I was always into sports, like, but I, I liked, like, even to this day, when I play, like, video games, like, the video game trajectory is, like, everybody creates these fantasy teams and plays with them. Well, I like playing with the exact rosters, and I was always like this. So I would get, like, the Lindy's NFL magazine as a, you know, 10-year-old kid and then get white out and, you know, watch ESPN, and I would white out the player who gets cut and then write in the new player. So I really always kept up with rosters, and they would bring me to these fantasy drafts. And as I got, I mean, I would say, like, maybe 12 years old, I started helping my stepdad out with his team. And then we started partnering. And when I say, like, this was – there was no internet. It was, you know, you went to the draft, and the draft order was done by – playing card so if you got the ace you had the first pick in that round but there was no snake the snake concept wasn't there so if you drew the ace every round you were picking number one every round so like that was my introduction to fantasy football and my i remember the first time i actually partnered wasn't just going but actually part of the team we had a run of picking like terrell davis when he blew out his knee then the next year was jamal anderson uh, so I literally just kept dealing with injuries. <laughs> was my yeah, and I but the first stack we ever drafted. My stepdad is a Jets fan. Was a Kerbet Testaverde. So I've been around fantasy for a very very long time. Yeah, I mean you're talking touchdown Terrell Davis and going back to Jamal from the Dirty Bird and everything. I mean that was that was a minute ago. I so I'm the same age as you, but I didn't get into it as such an early age. Of course, watching football, um, I just got it was like an accident, a happy accident. 
I mean, it worked out long term. I mean, you're on the pinnacle of fantasy football origin stories. But um, what about so you said drew a card for the round than every round? You mean like you drew it the first and like your typical draft, right? It wasn't every round you drew a new card. Right? It was every round. That's it really was every round for the yeah, which and it was unfair. Like if you had bad luck, you were you could have been picking twelve every round or ten. I think it was the, the leagues were ten uh, back then for a while. So like one round you might okay I got pick two and then next round I got pick eight and then it's like it could flip flop yeah. every that's yeah. interesting I've yeah. never heard of it that way yeah yeah and, and I think they 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 started introducing the actual snake draft after a few years but yeah it was literally playing cards you know ace was the first pick and then two three four five six seven eight nine ten. Huh. I mean, I've always had snake drafts since I've been playing fantasy football. As far as I can remember, back then, maybe it was before snake got involved, but never crazy. Like, you don't know which round you're going to, or which pick you're going to be in each round. That's that's very unique. I mean, what were, okay, you mentioned Dirty Bird, you mentioned the Jamal Anderson, and you mentioned some other guys, but like, who were some of your favorite players? I mean, you've been around forever, like, that were always constantly on your team, I guess, growing up. When, when I started managing my own teams, um, I would say the like the one I always loved Derek Mason. Hmm. He was somebody I always liked to draft. He was pretty solid, consistent. Whether it was Baltimore, he, I think he was even back with the Houston Oilers, and then obviously the Titans with Steve McNair. But I always loved like Derek Mason, and I feel like I won my most of my championship with guys like Reggie Wayne on my team. Yeah, I remember. So Derek Mason, if I remember, he was more like the 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 PPR gold type. He was never the yes. monster touchdown guy, was he? No. But I, he was always like, if you were in a PPR format, uh, Derek Mason was money. Yeah, I remember. Even later on his career, as I would always grab him, it was more of like the, like you said, there was a consistent guy. I could always get real late and that kind of thing. Uh, what yeah. about okay? Well, hey, I didn't give you this yet. Here's the DeLorean. So you're gonna go back. This you can relate because you were born the same year this one came out. Then if you're 38, but what about um? I don't know. I'll give you one mulligan for some kind of draft that you pick you made or a trade or some stupid thing. You can go back and you can change it. What would it be? Um, the year I, I think it was Moss's. It could have been his final year where he was traded to two different teams. He started out in New England, then they traded him to Minnesota, and then they traded him to Tennessee. That Moss pick. It was possibly, it was like my first real year of like bad fantasy football, where like my team might have won two games. It was just bad. And and Breeze was my, it was just a bad year with Breeze and Moss. Oh, and this is like Breeze post all of the the mega, you know, the, every year being perennial top three I mean, or whatever. I don't know if I – I just blame it because, again, like I had my guys. And back then, my guys were like Reggie Wayne and Aaron Rodgers. So the year I literally draft Drew Breeze and Randy Moss, oh. my team goes to crap. <laughs> I see what you're saying. So I yeah. just blame Drew Breeze for that – just for that bad year. I'm like, I'm never drafting this guy again. <laughs> yeah, it had to have been Drew Brees' fault for sure. I mean, that's the only plausible explanation. Uh, what about just in general? I mean, like, I guess you said I, I picked Wayne was my guy all the time. Like, what's been your strategy throughout time? Maybe not strategy. Like, what's your style? Maybe that's more what I should ask. My style, especially now, I always like best player available and taking value, taking what falls to me because, you know, the current form – of the fantasy football industry, you know, year after year, there's no zero running back, zero wide receiver, hero running back, robust running back. Like, when I, 
I just played when fantasy football was much more simpler, simpler times where you, you just draft the best team. And as basic as that sounds, that's what works for me. Because all drafts are different, right? Like you go in and you want to draft zero wide receiver, but let's say good wide receivers are falling. You're really going to pass up on these players just to stick to your strategy and kind of put yourself in a deficit before the season already starts. So just I, I, I always like adjusting to the draft on the fly. Yeah, I think that's something that in the past I used to be so – and I think I talked about this thing near every episode, but like I would be so hard, hardcore running back heavy at the beginning and I was against being willing to – you know, you're shaking your head because that might have been you too. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something I suggest – or I've, I've shifted more recently. It's, again, best, best player available. I like that strategy because, again, going back to another thing I used to always fail at and maybe still do sometimes is I'd hold on to my guys I drafted because I spent yes. all summer – you know what I'm talking about. Yes. All summer drafting. Yes. Plat, flatten or planting a flag and then now it's like week three and so i probably should get rid of them already and i i, I would hold on too long um it, it's not so much about for me the the flag plant players it's more about thinking okay you know like it's going to be the next week it's going to be the next game the opportunity is going to be there and it's more or less with my bench guys because when i'm drafting bench guys i'm trying to think a few steps ahead and okay well you know is there? There's eventually going to be an injury here, or there's a if something's going to eventually happen. I don't want to get rid of this player who's going to be a locked and loaded RB one if the starting running back goes down, and then give it to somebody else. Yep, same thing. I, but then on this, on the flip side, it's like because you always hold on to that point where yeah, I know I drafted that guy at whatever the late round, and then he ends up blowing up the week after you drop him, and then you kind of like stick to that one. But. Uh, Hey, that's kind of how it is, especially when you've been playing for so long. It's amazing how you've been able to. So, okay, what's the biggest, mm, I don't want to say shift, but how have you seen the approach to maybe playing fantasy with your friends th- as it's become more mainstream? I actually, at this point, feel like, you know, because people think you're in the industry, especially that you're going to go clean up a home league draft. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage in a home league draft because when you're drafting against other experts or even people like on fantasy Twitter who are immersed in fantasy football year round and into the draft strategies and we all kind of have the same style or ADP, then you go to a home league draft where these people are only playing and they come here in August and they're going to consume content in August and they're going to leave when their team gets eliminated for the playoffs. Um, they're not drafting the same way. So like, you know, you'll be in a home league draft and, you know, a couple of years ago and Gronk is still being taken in the second round. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Or like, you know, where you'll you'll still get a quarterback. Uh, last year in my home league, somebody took Burrow in the first round. Hmm. You're not as it like that puts me at a disadvantage because how the hell do I react? Yeah, no, I'm. I, I understand fully. Understand that because the same thing. Even though I'm not like an industry expert by any means, it's just, it's you got certain leagues with certain players. It's like totally wild cards. Throw throw the yeah. ADP out the window, you, and then yep. of course you get your homers and stuff. And and then you and then I kick myself. Like, Man, if I would have just waited, I could have got the same guy here. I can't believe he's here at this point. And then you start double guessing things and such. Yeah. Or like you know you're you're doing twenty drafts and you're in your home league draft and all of a sudden like okay this player falls to me every single draft and then he's ta- then he's overdrafted so it's like oh like and then it makes me want to overdraft players that I want and it's it's 
Yeah, I, it's so that's the change is, is just seeing the two different type of fantasy football players where you have like the hardcore people and then the, you know, your home league friends. So they're just two different draft styles and you kind of have to try to prepare for the unexpected in a home league draft. I wonder how much of even a bigger gap that was, say, 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago, before like fantasy football podcasts and you know, being able to have the coverage, like everyone blew up. Now the the layman person can have a ranking that's similar to the other one. I wonder what it was like back then where like how much different it was with people going with, uh, you know, whatever Homer picks and such. I mean, back, back in those, you know, before the internet, it was, ma- you had magazines, right? right. You had like <laughs> the, the diehard magazine that you had a couple of fantasy magazines and everybody went to the draft with that and their highlighters and, and like a notepad. So, like, we all – there wasn't that much variance where, like, here, like, you know, you have 100 analysts, you can go get their rankings. Or you can get a consensus from Fantasy Pros or ESPN or even our, our, at Faceoff, we have uh, our own rankings and ADP consensus with our staff. Uh, it's not like that back then. Like, you had, like, three or four magazines you were going off of. <laughs> yeah, I always tell this story, too, about the one year we went to – and this is before, really, the internet and stuff. I We went to a draft, and one of my buddies is, oh, no, I didn't bring a cheat sheet with me. So I pulled out the previous year's book and magazine and gave it to him. He started using it. <laughs> I know it wasn't – hey, fantasy football is thicker you than gotta blood. You got to get an edge. You <laughs> got to get an edge. And I don't remember, like, the year, and I'm sure I tell the story different every time. But I do know there was one player he picked that was out for the year. So I, I, I don't I, – I'd be lying to you if I knew which one it was. But it was, this is at least yeah. 10 years ago. So, but at any rate, yeah, totally changed different. We can draft now on our phones and such, but I mean, so you've, you've seen, you know, again, through various playing in the industry, blah, blah, blah. You've seen it a lot. So let's go back in that DeLorean again. The real reason why I got you here, let's go back in time to the time when you're like, okay, I think, you know, I really enjoy this thing, but let's start trying to cover fantasy football and maybe like a timeline up until being on fantasy football origin stories. Um, I spent. Spent my 20s in the car business, sales, at, you know, in that grind. Um, and, and I was good at it. I liked it, but I wasn't passionate about it. Um, I really wanted to be a cop. But, you know, when you're in your young 20s and you get that taste of sales and that money, then you're like, oh, I'm going to stick to this because I'm good at it. Uh, but I was so immersed into fantasy football where all my downtime in between customers at the dealership, I'd be on the internet doing fantasy stuff. Where people, or I would just be talking football. I mean, you know, like uh, I remember when ESPN, I used to like all different sports. And then ESPN, uh, that was it. And then the NFL Network was launched, and that was it. That was just NFL Network football just took my life over. And people saw that and they saw, like, well, he knows more than most of us just talking general football. And people that I worked with at the dealership, like, hey, you should try to pursue this. And it's like, how do you pursue it? You know, and, and I never think I'm that good anyway. Like, I, I always downplay myself to this day. Uh, and, and one day I got into a life-changing, I would say a life-changing car accident. I was T-boned. I had to get uh, neck surgery. Hmm. And, you know, that put me through a lot. Where You know, that's, you know, the whole mental health python that we do. And I suffered through a painkiller addiction. Bad. Um, and once I came out of that, you know, a couple of stints in rehab to try to get myself completely off. I was at a crossroads in life. Like, do I go back into the car deal business or do I try to pursue my dream, which was 
covering the NFL in some way. It wasn't really fantasy that I wanted to do. Uh, I like, you know, uh, talk radio. I liked NFL radio. And like when, before Sirius XM merger, you had Sirius NFL radio. And it's still around Sirius XM, but it was just the NFL channel. This was before Sirius XM fantasy. I wanted to do that. So I saw the quickest foot in the door in covering fantasy football. Okay, I can get my foot in the door this way and hopefully make my way into sports talk radio. So that was my direction, kind of. Uh, so I got my start at Fantasy Pros on their news desk, and eventually I, I ended up at Gridiron Experts and spent a lot of time, like years, uh, working up the ranks there, becoming their head guy. Um, and that's where... You know, Mike Hoff and I created the FFA Soft podcast for Gridiron Experts, and eventually we kind of outgrew Gridiron Experts, and the FFA Soft became its own entity or entity. Um, and a couple of years ago, I would say about three years ago, um, we decided like we have to go in a new direction. Like we can't just be a floating podcast. Like we need a website. And then I part- partnered with uh, my partner now, Aaron. Uh, and we built a website to go along with this podcast. And the the website right now is uh, doing really, really well, like exceeding expectations for only being two and a half years old. So that's kind of how I got here. And uh, I'm also full time in the industry. Um, you know, that I'm, I'm kind of like on the side of fantasy, I started getting into sports betting because I the biggest advice I give anybody now, uh, if you want to be full time. In the fantasy, NFL, sports, sports betting is your quickest road because that is growing rapidly. It's still only a few years old. Still half the states are not legal. Um, And then on top of sports betting, online casinos, that's gold because, you know, you don't have to like sports to go to a casino or go to an online casino. Like my grandmother, if she was still alive, like, you know, she would be on the slot machines and you can play online slot. So like literally online casinos cater to everybody. So the whole affiliate marketing game, um, if anybody who wants to make a living and make decent money, start freelance copywriting for sports betting and sports betting affiliates. Uh, Cause that led me to a full-time job at the gambling group, Rotowire. I'm now an SEO editor, but like, you know, the, you know, don't just limit yourself to one thing, go get your, go another direction. You have to be open. Not everybody's going to be Colin Coward. Not everybody's going to be Adam Rank, but you can make a very good living in this industry on the back end. You know, some good, actually, you answered the final question that we always have here as far as like your recommendations and such, everybody. Um, you kind of alluded to FFA Soft and then the website. Let's give the listener of the show what that website is. So if they wanted to go check it out. Uh, it's www.ffasoft.com. And then when they go there, like what what's the expectations or what's it different? I don't know. What's your unique selling proposition, whatever you want to call it for FFA Soft? I, I mean, I. Not only do you get the the quality of of the writing and the content, but like everybody seems like in one form or another, they have a Patreon, they have a paywall. Our content's free. There's no paywalls. Uh, you know, there's there's no okay. Well, you got to sign up and and pay five dollars for this episode or this article. 
everything's free from podcasts, videos, articles at, at our website. Like we don't believe in the paywall. So that is one advantage over everybody else or, or a lot of other sites. Um, you know, we have other ways to, to, to generate revenue. What is, what's the difference between the, 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 so the face off sports network and, and everything, that's just kind of the combination of the whole, the, the whole deal. And that's the FF face off kind of started it from there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The FF face off podcast started it all. Um, and then when I partnered with Aaron on the website end, he's like, you know, let's not limit ourselves to fantasy football. And football, like let's we call it face off sports network. You'll find some sports betting picks, uh, but you know some MLB fantasy content. Sometimes we we have soccer people on there because like that's the next market. Uh, you know, if you're a forward thinker, soccer. If you you know I I can turn on you know Xfinity cable. And that's what I have in New Jersey, and find like on the USA Network and NBC. English Premier League soccer. I can find La Liga. I, I can find international soccer every day. And if that's on our TVs now with the popularity of the sport around the world, it's only natural that with sports betting, it's going to pop in this country. We see Lionel Messi signing with Inter Miami. I'm not a big American soccer guy. Like the product's not great, but all of a sudden I'm watching MLS because of Messi. So just because of Messi and all the guys he's bringing over, this product's going to pop. So like start covering soccer, try to get outside your comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, that's a good uh, recommendation too, for anybody that's interested in, um, like you said, trying new things and breaking into an industry of some sort Uh, earlier. So I got to go back to the part where you said, uh, so the, the mental health podathon, and it looked like it was partnered with Hayden mm. Hurst. Did you kind of alluded yes. to that? If someone wanted to, or when, when does that go live and how, if someone wants to contribute, how would they do so? Well, the mental health podathon, we just had our fourth season partnered with, uh, Hayden Hurst and the Hayden Hurst foundation. Um, and, uh, it, it's usually right around, training camp or before training camp uh, because we like having Hayden on and he, and he's gracious to come on every year. So it has to be before he goes to camp. So it's usually at some point in July. Uh, and this year we raised uh, $4,650 and I believe we're just around 18,000 in the four years. So our goal next year going into year five is to have a, the biggest year ever and try to get to 25,000 in five years. Okay, so next year again around July, mid July is when the listener show should be tuning in for something like that. Then, yeah, yeah and again, ffaceoff.com, we have a mental health section in the menu that you can get information on the podathon, the GoFundMe link, and we're, we even start, uh, we're starting to create mental health articles and podcasts as well. So we don't want to just make it a, a, a one time thing. Uh, we want to start becoming an authority on mental health in the sports space because, like I, I said, I alluded to it earlier, uh, with my past and addiction uh, and mental health, like that goes hand in hand. So that's something big in my life. Like that's something I live. That is something my wife lived. I have family members, friends who who have mental health issues, and it's something that needs to that stigma. Like that's not just a line. Like that stigma needs to be broken. Yeah, no, I think it's a good, I mean, of course you lived it and like you said, so it's something that you can speak from empathy too, but it's something that, mm. you know, I, again, we on the network would help, gladly help promote that for you. 
Um, what, I don't know where I want to go with the next question there. I don't, I hate to follow it up on that one, but I was going to ask you like from your time at the, you know, as an auto salesman and maybe some of the skills that you learned there that kind of translated into your experience on the mic or, you know, working with people and that kind of thing. Like what, what do you think you gained the most from it? Um, selling cars, man, it's such a weird business because you literally go into it like nine out of 10 customers. They, they think you're a jerk, right? Like that nobody likes going to deal with a car salesman. Uh, so it's very difficult to like, you have to know how to try to get a rapport. And some customers just don't want to be bothered trying to be friendly, get a rapport. They, they just have this. This opinion about being in a car dealership. So I guess is learning how to deal with negativity from people. And in this industry, you deal with some trolls, you deal with negativity. So I guess it makes me very thick skinned. Made me very, very thick skinned where people can say what they want. I don't care. Like I'm talking about football. I'm talking about fantasy football. I don't care if you don't like my takes. Like, Go listen to somebody else. Like It's not what you say to me isn't going to go make me lose sleep. I'm not trying to be a, a jerk, but it's the reality of it. Like, we're here to have fun. Make some money. Like, you're not, everybody's not going to like my takes. And, and I think, you know, we see it on, you know, like people need to uh, try to just like let some stuff go instead of trying to get into Twitter wars because nobody's going to win them. It's a, it's a headache. <laughs> Yeah, I, and sometimes people just want to troll the troll. I have a friend who, very close friend, he's a prof- I call him a professional troll. He likes trolling people. Like these, what some people like it. So you kind of just let it go. It's not that big of a deal. Don't lose sleep over it. And in actuality, like if you look at the national media hosts, like Colin Coward, um, Stephen A. Smith, like the most skipped, the most hated guys, they're getting paid millions of dollars. And I would say 60% of their listeners do not like them. So you kind of need that negativity. Almost think of like being an on-air person or like being a content creator. Like uh, think about it like, like, as like almost like, uh, it's almost like being in like pro wrestling where you need that balance of good and bad to put yourself over. So there you go. You're the heel. Of the I don't. I don't. Book. I'm not trying to be a heel. No, I'm not a heel. I don't. I don't think I'm a heel. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's also like I also don't like you know like I don't hit the block button if somebody don't like me. Right. Like right. I, I don't. I, that you know, it's not. That's not being a heel. It's just like I that like hey, you're you're listening to me. You're consuming my content, whether you like it or not. So I, I think you know that's more advice I would give to people. Like welcome that negativity a little bit. Because they're all they're consuming your content still, and they might just be consuming so they can troll you. But that's also like if you're in a if you're getting monetized, that's revenue. Right, right. Well, so okay, so maybe maybe not the heel, but then you also said what you're into and what you'd be following. I we I gotta I'd be remiss if we didn't get into it. You mentioned earlier about the. Um, being a league historian, whatever you want to call it, but like, so are you? Are you just a fan of all of NFL history, or is it like a particular era that you followed, or what? Um, I, I guess it it goes back to how I get I guess my childhood, where it's like you know, like I like I I wasn't into superheroes, like I watched Batman and stuff, but like my superheroes were like NFL players and like 
WWF, like Hulk Hogan was my superhero. Like he was real. Like I could, I knew I could go to the gym one day and grow and get big like Hulk Hogan. So like as a kid, I was very attracted to that. Um, and also as a kid, it's like there uh, you remember NFL films and Steve Sable that would have football follies. And in those football follies, if you go back and watch some of the old content that would put cartoon noises or even like cartoon clips and that would draw kids into it. So like anytime NFL films was on, I would watch it. And then like you would also like growing up, like you're kind of learning about the history of the NFL. Uh, so that uh, drew me in. And then obviously the birth of the NFL network. And being able to see all of the NFL films in one place and the top tens and the replays of the Super Bowl. And yeah, I consumed it all. Like America's game is, is, is great. Uh, when they talk about all the different Super Bowls and all the player profiles and biographies and learning about the history of the game, like it's amazing to me. Because we would not have football, the product, the billion-dollar industry that it is today, the billion-dollar fantasy football industry, that would not be here without the history of the NFL. So this is actually a question I used to ask on the other show that I had, but they take the I get the keys of the DeLorean, of course, to the, the listener of the show. They get to go back to any moment in NFL history to be able to be part of it and listen, or to, to really live it as it was back then. Like, what moment would you want to back in the day? Wow. What moment? Um, I don't... A, a lot of the moments that stick out to me are Cowboys losses. <laughs> so, like, you know, the Jackie... I think it was Jackie Smith, the tight end, who dropped a, a touchdown pass against the Steelers, one of the Super Bowls. Or, like, the... Was it the Ice Bowl? Um before like the NFL championship of Green Bay and Dallas, like those moments, like they, they, they were negative moments for the Cowboys, but they were just such big parts of NFL history, especially the ice boy. I think that was a, a, bar, a Bart star sneak or like a short yardage touchdown to put that game away for Green Bay. But like those classic moments and, and being able to go see that. Um, yeah. I, I think one of them. Are there any kind of, um, I don't know, growing up, like you're talking to your, your dad and stuff or whatever, like reliving real old school. What you said he was a Jets fan or a Giants fan? My stepdad was a Jets fan. My uncle was a Giants fan. And my real father, my biological father, was an Eagles fan. So okay. a little bit of everything. Any cool stories that any of them gave you just like at being a moment? Oh, I was there when that happened. You know, every old dude hangs on to one one moment. Not that I can re- See, my... Uh, my stepdad is the one that really sticks out because he was like enamored um, and he passed. He was a little bit older, um, but he like w- was enamored with Joe Namath, wanted to be like Joe Namath growing up. Um, you know, he liked Joe Namath the- and the Fonz like that. Those were <laughs> my stepdad's idols, jo- Joe Namath and Fozzie. So, you know, but yeah, like just uh, the guarantee. That was something my stepdad would always bring up. But he was, uh, he grew up in, like, he's a big Yankees fan. Um, so he, you know, he, I actually have a home, a Thurman Munson home run ball hmm. uh, that he gave me. So, like, so, like, it would, it, that, that, those are like the more of the, the moments, sports moments, uh, where, where, like, you know, more Yankee stuff. And I'm not a big baseball fan, but it's just cool to have that ball because his father worked in Yankee Stadium. That's how we got it. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, even different. I'm thinking of like a, he's in the he's in the outfield catching the home run ball or something. But no, he's got the. And again, every time you look at that ball, then you got that memory of him and everything. So that's neat. 
Yeah, and my dad is an Eagles season ticket holder, uh, or was back then. So I'm sure he has, you know, memories of, of the vet. You know, I, I was, I've been to the vet a few times before they knocked it down. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like me with the Silver Dome for Detroit. That is before they they ended up knocking it down, and it's Ford's Field ever since 2002. Um, I gotta. Like, that's something. You say what I what I could do. I would wish, like bucket list in my adult life, if I ever had the money or hit the lottery or was comfortable enough in my later years, I would love to like get a trailer or something and just drive to every stadium and watch games. <laughs> but if I could go back into time and go to old stadiums, that would be like what I, if I can go back in a DeLorean, as you say. Go back to these old stadiums and, and live like I was cool. I, I've been to old Meadowlands, the vet and the old Texas stadium. But like, I wish I could go back to like the OG Lambeau field. Like Lambeau is still there, but they've made upgrades. Soldier field still there, but they made upgrades. Like I wish I could go to the old places or like the, the LA Coliseum in the black hole, like the original black hole. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's some stuff I think about that. And as well as, um, you know, listening to the old, I don't know, like when, when the league first was born in 25, when Red, Red Grange comes onto the map and like totally changes the way that the NFL went and the trajectory or just Bronco Nagursi back. And like, those are the, that's the era, like the twenties through forties that I really am intrigued with just because of it was, they were playing for, <laughs> for nothing. I mean, they really were. It was yeah. just, just different than it is today. I mean, fantasy football would have been a little bit different story too. Um, I gotta, okay. We gotta, we gotta let the listeners show. We gotta remind them if they want to either get in touch with you somehow, connect with you or find your work. Let's go ahead and let you do that. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the real NFL guru and um, my, you know, of course the website uh, FFFaceoff.com or on uh, social media at the FFFaceoff is, is where you can follow me and my work. I also do some content over at RotoWire, even though I'm mostly on the back end. Uh, I also create some content for them. Like uh, I, I do shows a lot with Jim Coventry on the RotoWire, a serious XM show and the YouTube channel. I actually just did a spot this morning with Jim there, but, uh, you know, Jim was somebody who, when the face-off was going through some transitions, um, you know, Jim was like my co-host for almost, a, 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 you know, over a full season. Uh, you know, he really picked up the slack because who knows if the, you know, I wasn't ready to be a solo guy yet. And, and Jim, me and him had a good relationship and he's somebody in this industry people should be following. Uh, he's outstanding and really a good mentor, I would call him. Yeah, I can't remember what number episode, but I had Jim on this show back in... Oh, awesome. Yeah, okay. seven or eight. I don't know. I, I, I'm actually up to... I think you're number 22 by now, so I have to remember what it was. But yeah, Jim's a cool dude. Um, oh, yeah. He's an amazing person. We're going to hop on the DeLorean again. This is a different kind of story. So you get to go in the future and maybe either predict what the fantasy football landscape looks like, five to ten years, whatever, or something that you think would be kind of cool to see within the next five to ten years. Wow. Where is fantasy football going to go? That's a hell of a question because we are seeing the growth and popularity of sports betting, but that's really its own entity. Um, you know, we have DFS. The new craze is like the best ball and these like best ball mania four, which is like what, $3 million to first. And this thing keeps getting bigger. I think we're going to start seeing the popularity of these large field tournaments grow. 
that's kind of where I see this industry going. We're going to see more of these tournaments and people trying to crack these millions of dollars. Because the, the difference, and I, I like high state, I like the FFPC and playing in their tournaments. That's my, that kind of rejuvenate. When you're playing fantasy, as long as I have, it kind of got stale. And play two, I would say three years ago, I started my first FFPC. And that's like, okay, like you're playing, you're, you're putting a little bit more money on the table, but like at the end of the day, you can really go win, uh, you know, grow your bankroll. So I, I, and that, you know, and when you're doing like an FFPC uh, football players championship draft, it just feels different. And that kind of sparked my love for fantasy again. It wasn't just like a job. Uh, now I love it again. But what this underdog does, it gives people the opportunity to throw in 25 bucks and have a chance. So it's almost like a scratch off. So I, I think we start seeing more affordable large field tournaments um, and, and the more affordable it is, the more people that are going to play. And we are seeing that when these best ball manias are filling up uh, immensely. So I, I, I can see more of these larger field tournaments becoming a thing. Yeah, I could see that as well. And I'm curious, I mean, what will end up being the next style? Like best ball, it's already here, but like you said, maybe advanced. And I'm, I'm always curious about like what's around the corner and that kind of thing. Um, we're going to leave you with, we're going to leave you with this question because you already answered a lot of the, you know, recommendations for people trying to get in the industry. But as far as let's just say this upcoming season, you've been successful. I mean, you know, you, you don't have to pat your own shoulder. I'll do that for you. As far as like rankings and such, if someone were to want to maybe, I don't know, create their own rankings seasonally and or weekly, like what kind of just advice do you give them for like where to start? Um, Temper expectations. Um, being in the fantasy pros expert consensus is humbling because, you know, it is the only true way outside of your bankroll being in the red or the green. To It's really the only true way to measure your success as a fantasy guy because you are getting graded on your accuracy by an algorithm at fantasy pros. And I think football diehards does it as well, but like fantasy pros is like the cream of the crop of it. And it's public and everybody can see how you do. And um, it's humbling because yes, I've had success, but I've also had really bad weeks, a couple of bad years. Um, so when you're starting, like I, I would say go in there humbled. Otherwise, it's going to humble you because I've been humbled by that. It's not fun. Uh, because you can't wait till the next week kicks off so you can forget that you ranked 140 out of 200. That don't feel good. So like, and you, I remember those weeks more than my top 10 weeks. I remember the bad weeks. I, 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 I'm the type of person that dwells on the bad to try to make that never happen again. There you go. You do you and be willing to take a shot. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Fantasy Football Origin Stories here on the Sports History Network, and were able to come away with some nuggets of info or reminisce about some players that we talked about or just straight up had a good time. With that, I'll catch you next week on the podcast. And to learn more about our other shows on the network, you can head over to sportshistorynetwork.com. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, 
please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice. Then head over to the website for the show notes and more fantasy football origin stories. That's at fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.